Hey, we finally reached the last part of our series of Passion Friday. Now, whether if you're new to the church or been part of the faith for a very long time, we've all heard stories about Jesus dying on the cross. Now, if you ever wondered, well, what does the cross mean? What does it all stand for? Well, that's what we're talking about today. For those of you who know me, you know I love watching movies. I love everything about them. But I do have a few pet peeves, and one of them is when a storyteller introduces crucial characters at the end of the story. Now, as you know, we've been going through the book of Luke, and there's 24 chapters in this book, and we're in chapter 23. And for some reason, Luke decides to introduce to us two crucial characters at the very end. But in this case, I'm actually okay with Luke introducing these two characters so late in the game because of what he does with them. So let me set up the scene for today's text. In the first century in Israel, it turns out there was a lot of attempted insurrections. And if you look at a graph of how often they happened, usually there's a peak around the springtime. So why is that? It's because in the spring, there's a major holiday called Passover. Passover is a time of the year where a lot of Jews from around the world gather in the central location called Jerusalem. And they all come together to celebrate this one event that happened centuries ago. You see, their ancestors were once slaves in Egypt. They were being oppressed by the Pharaoh, and God intervened to pull them out, and they were set free from bondage. But as it turns out, in the first century, when the book of Luke was written, there was a Roman occupation happening in Israel. And during Passover season, they couldn't help but see the, the parallels between the empire of Rome and the empire of Egypt. And so naturally, out of frustration, there's a lot of insurrections that happen around the time of Passover. So in the 23rd chapter of this biography of Jesus we're reading right now, Luke decides to introduce this character called Barabbas. Luke tells us that Barabbas is an insurrectionist. He's a rebel, and he actually ended up murdering somebody. And because of that, the Roman authorities caught him, and now he was given the death penalty. Now at the same time, there's another drama that's unfolding that's described in the book of Luke. So Jesus, he's been walking around town healing people and giving people hope, and the religious rulers did not like him. And I, I guess it's more than that because he, they wanted him dead. But according to the Romans who've taken over the land, the religious rulers are not allowed to execute anybody. So the religious rulers bring Jesus to Pontius Pilate, who is the governor of Jerusalem at the time. So Pilate tries Jesus publicly and realizes that he doesn't deserve the death penalty. He didn't do anything wrong. And if he were to execute somebody who was innocent, he was afraid that Jesus' followers would cause an uproar, a rebellion, and Pilate didn't want that to happen. But Pilate was also afraid that the religious rulers might start a rebellion if he doesn't appease them. So he's doing whatever he can to make sure that his hands are clean. Now, as a side note, I really don't think had Pilate executed Jesus, an innocent man, that there would have been a rebellion. Because number one, Jesus always taught people to turn the other cheek and to forgive their enemies. And the second thing is that all his followers deserted him already, so there would be no rebellion. So Pilate has this brilliant idea. He decides instead of him being responsible for choosing whether if Jesus is executed or is set free, he decides to let the crowd decide for him. And so he brings out Barabbas, the guy that we just talked about, and he stands him in front of the crowd along with Jesus, and he lets them choose. I'm going to let one of these two go. Which one do you want me to set free? Now, if you read the text carefully, it implies that Pilate assumed that people would choose Jesus over Barabbas simply because Jesus heals people and brings people back to life, and Barabbas killed somebody. I mean, Jesus feeds thousands of people for free, and Barabbas has blood on his hands. 
but what Pilate is about to find out is truly scary. So let's pick up from there. Verse 18. But the whole crowd shouted, Away with this man, release Barabbas to us. Barabbas has been thrown into prison for an insurrection in the city and for murder. So everybody wants Barabbas to be released. And we all know that it's advantageous for Pilate to stay neutral, but his bias starts to show in the next verse. Wanting to release Jesus, Pilate appealed to them again, but they kept shouting, crucify him, crucify him. For the third time he spoke to them, why, what crime has this man committed? I have found in him no grounds for a death penalty. Therefore, I will have him punished and then release him. Now in this text, Luke makes an important point that Pilate gave them three chances. In other words, the crowd rejected Jesus three times, just like Peter did a chapter ago. This is Luke's way of demonstrating that everybody is now rejecting Jesus, not just the religious rulers, but the crowd in general and also his disciples. And the craziness ensues, verse 23. But with loud shouts, they insistently demanded that he be crucified and their shouts prevailed. So Pilate decided to grant their demand. He released the man who had been thrown into prison for insurrection and murder, the one they asked for, and surrendered Jesus to their will. Now here's an interesting question to ponder on. Where did the religious rulers get the idea of crucifying Jesus? I mean, there's so many different ways to execute a guy. Why did they pick crucifixion? Well, as it turns out, they got the idea from Barabbas. Pilate really does not like insurrectionists. As a matter of fact, you can even say that his entire job description is to make sure that the city of Jerusalem does not have any rebellions. So when an insurrectionist is caught in Jerusalem, Pilate didn't want to just execute the guy. He wanted to make sure that he's humiliated. They'll strip his clothes off, hang him not just anywhere, but at the entrance to Jerusalem so that everybody who's walking in will look at him and realize, boy, I should not even think about causing an uproar this year. So if it wasn't for the crowd demanding Pilate to release Barabbas, the scenario would have gone like this. Barabbas the insurrectionist would have been crucified and then Jesus the rabbi would have been released. But instead, because of their demands, it was switched around. In other words, Jesus is taking the place of the insurrectionist. But there's a huge irony here. For the past few years, Jesus has been teaching everybody not to live by the sword, to forgive others, to love and pray for their enemies. Everything that Barabbas is, is exactly what Jesus told his followers not to become. In other words, Jesus is taking the place of somebody who's the complete opposite of him. But that's not the only point that Luke is making in this text. If you read the book of Luke from the very beginning up to now, you'll also note that Jesus has come across many, many other variety of people. He's come across sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes, people who are lost, religious people, patriots, thieves, disciples, soldiers, rulers, foreigners, women, men, Jews, Gentiles, criminals, educated, the uneducated, mothers, fathers, orphans, and people who have fallen short either because of their own doing or somebody else's doing. So when we get to this point in this text, Luke isn't just implying that Jesus is taking the place of an insurrectionist. Every single person that Jesus has met so far in this book represents all of humanity. It represents you, it represents me, it represents your friends and your enemies. Quite literally, Jesus is taking the place of humanity when he is sentenced to death. But then in a twist, Luke introduces us to another character, and this character only pops up in this one verse, but he's a very important character. Now this person is a Jewish person from Northern Africa, a place called Cyrene. Verse 26, as the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way from the country and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. 
And that's it. That's all we know about this character named Simon, that one verse. But there's a few details here that we are meant to catch right away. Number one, it says that Simon carried Jesus' cross. And the second detail that we should remember is that it says that he was behind him. And the word right there for behind in the original language implies the posture of a disciple. See here, Luke is giving a little wink wink and a nudge nudge here. To carry the cross in the first century means to carry with you suffering or a burden. Regarding this specific verse, this is what scholar N.T. Wright says. On several occasions, Jesus has urged his followers to take up the cross and follow him. Here at last, someone is doing so and even more. Carrying Jesus' own cross, Simon becomes the model for all those who tread behind Jesus on the road of humility, pain, and even death. Okay, this is so cool. So in the character of Barabbas, Luke is using him to demonstrate what Jesus has done for us. He has sacrificed and carried the cross for us. And in the character of Simon, Luke is now painting for us a portrait of what we ought to do for others, love other people sacrificially. Now what's really interesting about this is that Simon, he pops up in this one verse and then we never hear from him again. But I think this is Luke's way of telling us that this act of sacrifice, this act of loving other people sacrificially, you could do this one little thing and now you're contributing to the greatest story ever told. I mean, I get it. I know that there's a lot of people in this world that want to make a huge impact on their society. But according to the scriptures, it seems that these little acts of kindness, these little acts of sacrifices are the things that make a big contribution to the world. So whether if it's carrying somebody's burden for just a day, or just listening to someone rant for a few minutes because they feel like they're not heard by anybody, or maybe sending somebody a kind note because this is the first Valentine's Day where they have to spend it alone. It may seem like a small act to you, but according to the story, we never know when God's gonna take something small that you give up and make it into something big that contributes to the greatest story that's ever told. So church, may we be reminded of the heavy cross that Jesus carried for you. And in turn, may you assist other people in carrying theirs. And together, may we all experience heaven together. God bless.